the drive to create things. You're a writer, a photographer, a musician, a maker. You're ready to make things happen. But chasing creative isn't always easy. Your time and energy go to your work, your family, and your life. Is it really possible to make space for the creative in your everyday? Here at the Chasing Creative Podcast, we believe you can. We're everyday creatives who have insights and action steps you can take today to make your creative plans happen. I'm Ashley Brooks, a freelance writer and editor at Brooks Editorial and a work-at-home mom of three. I spend my creative time working on a novel and occasionally doing some knitting. And I'm Abigail Creeps, the writer and photographer behind Inkwells and Images. I'm also a work-at-home mom of one, learning to balance work and home and trying to find a little bit of time to work on something just for fun. And you're listening to the Chasing Creative Podcast. Welcome back to the Chasing Creative Podcast. You've got episode 12 of season six here. This season of Chasing Creative was all about the ebbs and flows of the creative life. And when we brainstormed this theme last summer, we really had no idea that the world would be facing a pandemic in the spring of 2020 as we record and release this episode. It's really brought changes big and small to our own creative processes, and we're guessing it's brought some changes to yours too. Yeah, so we're just going to kick it off by talking about some of the ways that <laughs> life has changed for us in the last couple months. And some of those things had nothing to do with the pandemic, like you had a baby. I did. I had a baby, and I feel like I had a baby at the perfect mm-hmm. time. Like, right before everything. We got through that first round of well check appointments before we had to, you know, start wearing masks in public. So, um, yes, I had a baby on January 3rd. So right after the new year, um, which was a couple weeks earlier than planned. So, uh, Tennyson is our daughter's name and she was not due until mid January. My first kid was two weeks overdue. So having a baby two weeks early was both an absolute gift and also a bit of a shock. Um, So since, I mean, essentially the first of the year, we have just been hunkered down at home, staying away from germs those first few months with a newborn. Um, You know, the cold and flu season was really bad this year. And we just continue to do so now, just more in a mandated sort of fashion and not voluntary. Yeah. So how about you, Ashley? How have you spent the first, I guess, quarter of 2020? Um, so it started off pretty good. We had a 10 day long trip to Ireland, just my husband and I, um, that we had had planned since like fall or summer of 2019 or so. And so that was really fun. We, in hindsight, are really, really glad that we went and did not push that off because who knows how long it's going to be before we can travel, mm-hmm. especially internationally again. Um, and it was such an amazing trip. Like it, I'm a, I'm obnoxious when I talk about it because it was almost like a movie. It was like we met the most fantastic people and we had such a great time in all the pubs and like we're not even really big drinkers but everyone over there is just so fun and so friendly and you walk out of every pub or restaurant feeling like you've actually just made friends with people um we did a lot of hiking a lot of outdoor naturey kind of stuff and just a lot of things that I'm really glad happened right before all of this because now life is kind of the opposite. It feels very small and disconnected and not that outdoorsy and naturey because it's like 
I mean, the state parks are still open, but it's hard to take little kids there and then be like, hey, but don't walk too close to other people. And, and no, we can't use the public restrooms. And Exactly. It's It feels easier to just stay home and be in our backyard. And life is just really small. And in Ireland, life felt really big and adventurous. So it was a great way to start the new year. And I'm really, really glad. I feel like that trip means more to us now even than it would have if there had not been a pandemic immediately afterwards. Um, but yeah, then we came home at the end of January um, and everything kind of exploded. And now we're just doing a life at home and it's weird and different. And um, like daily life hasn't changed a ton, but I now have no childcare. Mm -hmm. Like we already didn't have a ton. Now we have nothing. The kids are always home with us. And it's just kind of hard to find space to be alone and to find space for everybody to do the things that they need to do to feel like their best selves, which sounds kind of ridiculous, but um, it's been a readjustment to our routines and it's been kind of tricky to shuffle the kids around to make sure that everyone feels like they have their alone time or they have one-on-one -on -one time with mom and dad. And just navigating all that has been difficult as it has been for everybody. So um, how about you? How has your daily life changed or not changed because of all this? Yeah, um, not a lot is, is my answer, <laughs> which is probably really saying something about my social life, maybe, that I don't get out much or enough or at all, really, at this point. Um, but I mean, we had already for this year, like mindset wise, we were just going to be home with a new baby because that is what happens. Um, Arthur was a really hard baby to get out and about with. And so we just never did it. And we were kind of anticipating that with our second as well. It turns out Tennyson mm -hmm. has been a much easier baby that I think we would have been able to be on the go a little bit more with her. Um, but we had already like done the mental shift that 2020 is a staying home year. So life really doesn't look that much different than what we anticipated that it would, which is both, I mean, a blessing and a curse, I think. Um, I mean, we just don't go anywhere. Uh, we've been really fortunate that Scott's job is essential. Uh, so we haven't like had the financial upheaval that a lot of people have um, seen in this crisis, but we're also really fortunate that his essential job isn't in healthcare. So that has been like easing mm -hmm. some of the anxiety burden, I think. And for a while, his company had people doing like limited shifts, less days a week, which was also nice. It meant he got to be home a lot more. Um, but that is all changing in mid-May. We're recording this the first week of May. And so next week, he will go back to working full-time, full weeks all the time, which I think is going to be another transition that we go through. It was a bit of a transition to have him come home for those days and kind of interrupt the rhythm that we had just gotten into with, you know, a family of two kids instead of just one. And now it'll be kind of another transition as he heads back to work again. And um, Arthur, our three-year-old, is just like devastated that dad is not here to play with him five days a week anymore. So that will be, I think that will be a little bit harder on everybody than, than anything else has been. So... But yeah, like you, childcare is just not a thing anymore. So having Scott home kind of shifted that burden a little bit. But now that he's going back full time and Arthur is not going back to his daycare anytime soon, 
it's just going to be really interesting. It's it's kind of taking me back to the first year of Arthur's life where I didn't I didn't have childcare the first 12 months that he was here with us. And I had said one thing I'm preparing to do once we have a second baby is have childcare sooner with that baby and that is just just not happening. So um it was also kind of weird to come out of maternity leave to a world in which felt a lot more like maternity leave. Um, yeah. Just again, no childcare, not all the client projects that I had planned on coming back came back because of the pandemic. So it is kind of causing me to rethink my freelance business. And that's, it's hard to make a business plan when there's still like so much uncertainty. And I think you would probably say something similar, but like weekly childcare is what allowed me any margin in both like my business and my creative life. And without it, it's really hard to, to look and to plan a future in which I can both do personal creative work and meaningful, like actual work with two kids until Mm -hmm. they are older and more independent or we can have daycare again. So that, that I think it's, it's not changing the here and now so much as it's changing the way I plan for the next six to 18 months. Oh, that's like, that hits so much at the heart of what I feel like I'm feeling. And I'm sure lots of other people are too, where just looking toward the future is so difficult right now, not knowing how long this is going to go for and what it's going to look like. And just trying to make decisions about life. Like we're trying to figure out what to do with our kids' school next year because enrollment is upon us and they've graciously extended it until the end of May for parents to decide. But if it's still going to be mostly distance learning, which is what they switched to for the end of this year, um, you know, like my oldest is going to be six next year and I would rather not do distance learning with her. I would rather like, if it's going to still be this kind of a situation, I'd rather just have her home and do full-time homeschool and not have her enrolled. But mm-hmm. if things are going to be better and more resolved, their school next year is also opening up like a toddler daycare program. Oh. And if our kids are going to go to school next year, then I would totally put my two-year-old in daycare at the school the same days as his sisters and now there's three days a week where I drop all my kids off at the same place at the same time and then go home by myself Mm -hmm. (laughs) which would be a game changer but we just don't know if we can commit to that with the world the way it is right now so yeah that planning ahead is like it's really hard to take things one day at a time which is kind of how you have to take things in a situation like this but then to know that there will be a world on the other side of it and you need to be somewhat prepared for it is Mm -hmm. just very difficult. Yeah. And I mean, one of the blessings that both of us have is that we are able to be home full time. Like both of our jobs are, I mean, we have jobs, but we do them from home. So there is no scramble to Mm -hmm. find full-time childcare if and when the entire country opens back up and we have to be back to a actual physical job on Monday. So that's definitely like a a privileged place we were having this conversation from, but it's still like, I think the mental gymnastics is one of the most exhausting parts about all of this. Yes. And I think everybody probably has their own 
version of that that they are going mm-hmm. through depending on what their personal life circumstances look like and some of that mental gymnastics is kind of what makes it a little bit tough to be creative in a very stressful long-term global situation like this um which brings us to the question of whether any whether either of us have made any progress on our novels <laughs> since you know we recorded in I think it was December or yeah, it must've been December. We talked about our plans for our novels for the rest of the year. And so how has that been going for you? (laughs) Well, the only thing that I have written in the outline for this is ha 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 ha. No. (laughs) So that's, that's where I am emotionally on this topic. Um, yeah, we recorded our last, um, solo episode with just the two of us on December 27th. And then I had my daughter on January third. So there was what, six days in between those two. And yeah, we got that pretty close. Exactly. We laid out all of our plans for like the first half of the year or the first whole year. And like, clearly none of them are coming to fruition. I haven't made any progress on my novel. I mean, whatsoever. And I really honestly didn't spend much time at all on maternity leave doing anything creative. I had really intentionally carved out at least three months of maternity leave for myself. Arthur was still going to be going to his sitter on Fridays and I was going to use those Fridays when I was only parenting a baby who hopefully like still slept most of the day to just, I mean, rest and recuperate and hopefully work on a little bit of creative projects. I was not planning to work on the novel. I knew that like the brain space would not be there, but do, you know, more journaling, work on the baby book, like some little things like that. And I honestly did zero. I made our 2019 family album and that was nice. it. Because um, even while I was on maternity leave back in January and February and early March before the pandemic, I'd already experienced about like four canceled childcare sessions and several canceled yoga sessions. And it was just like a season of things being canceled on me. And a lot of them at like the very last minute, which was so disappointing, so disappointing and so frustrating. Like I would be dressed and have the baby dressed and have her loaded in the car. We would be driving to town for like my postnatal yoga class and the instructor would send out a message saying like, sorry, she's also a, um, a midwife. So this is totally allowed. She was allowed to do this, but like, sorry, someone went into labor and I have to cancel cat cancel class. And so then I would be like, well, we're dressed and ready to go. I guess we'll go hang out at the library. Like there was just a lot of like pivoting, even in those early weeks of having another baby. And so I felt like I was preconditioned for it once coronavirus hit. What about yourself? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So um, <laughs> I I got <laughs> I got a little bit of novel work done before coronavirus upended everything. So I did not do any work on it in January. We were in Ireland for like between preparing to go to Ireland and then coming home and doing laundry from Ireland and. Um, you know, I still had the same amount of client work that month. I just kind of shift things around to take vacation. So January was kind of just like, that was the month of Ireland and then working so that I could go to Ireland. So nothing else happened that month. February, I did um, get quite a bit. I won't say quite a bit, but I feel like I made a lot of progress mentally. At, like I had a mindset shift around the novel and around um, 
some tone and character issues that I needed to work through. And so I started rewriting a lot of early chapters that I had written. I rewrote maybe three or four chapters um, in the month of February. And then in March, everything just kind of exploded. Um, My husband was home for a month and then I didn't say earlier, but now he's um, back at work, but he's like basically quarantined at work. He's the only person there. So, Um, but he was home for a month and it was just like, I've tried to get back into it, but to be honest, like it's not super fun to write a young adult sci-fi novel when it feels a little bit like we're living in some sort of apocalyptic sci-fi novel. So my motivation has not been, (laughs) yeah, like, it's not like I'm writing a fun, happy thing. It's, I mean, not like it's a dark, depressing novel, but it's just hitting too close to home right now. So Mm -hmm. I have not been pushing myself too hard to pick it back up. Um, So February was the last time I really saw any word count added. And at this point, I would say that I am just like a champion stress knitter, (laughs) which is kind of funny but knitting is so good for my anxiety and to just make something physical and to be Mm -hmm. moving my hands and it's just very relaxing for me so um I've made a whole pile of washcloths out of leftover yarn and I have an order on its way from the local yarn shop with like way more money worth of yarn in it than I want to admit to and I'm gonna start making myself an old lady shawl and I'm very excited (laughs) so (laughs) That's pretty much the only thing that I have been doing. Um, And I will throw in a fun fact that while Jacob was home for that month, um, he was kind of stressed out with the situation too. And so he took up cross-stitching because I had bought a couple of cross-stitch kits for the kids and one of them turned out to be too advanced for them. So he cross-stitched a blue unicorn and he really enjoyed it. And if he does the other one, he will next be working on a festive llama. So that's, that's what we've been up to. We just pick up our needlework at night and relax. I love it. You guys are like a Regency era couple. It's so perfect. I don't hate it. It's kind of nice. Yeah, no, that's fabulous. But like, like you said, like the knitting is good for your anxiety. It's something to do. It's something productive. It's something that has a beginning and a middle and an end, which I always think is really helpful to have one of those projects up your sleeve. And so I can totally see why Jacob, like if he was cut off from his woodworking outlet of creativity, would pick up cross-stitching. Like, why not? Yeah, exactly. So I love that someday your kids will be able to show off those cross-stitches and someone will be like, oh, did your grandmother make them? They're like, no, my dad. (laughs) We're going to have like a stash of random, like, these were all of our pandemic projects. These were from quarantine 2020. Like, you can't throw away that washcloth. Grandma knitted that in quarantine. (laughs) It is a historical artifact. So as we we already touched a little bit on how hard it is to be planning for the future when we don't know what the future is going to look like. But are there any steps that we are taking to try to be able to figure out what life will look like in the next like six months to a year, maybe? Yeah, this one is a hard, hard thing for me because I, as we have discussed on here, am a type A planner of all planners. Like I probably have a planner for my planner if that was a thing. Um, (laughs) I just, it's so hard to make decisions. And so I'm trying to only make the decisions that I have to make right now. Um, And sometimes I'm going, I'm failing miserably at it. Um, But decisions that have to be made right now are decisions like, what are we eating for dinner? What are we eating for dinner tomorrow? 
What do we need from the grocery store on our, you know, bi-weekly grocery run? Those decisions that like literally our tiny little quarantined world will not fall apart, but will not run as smoothly if we don't do them. We're trying to make those decisions Um, and kind of forget about the long-term planning, which is extremely difficult for me. I even, I got a text from Arthur's daycare uh, teacher today asking like, do you know when Arthur will be back? Because our state hasn't opened back up yet, but it's coming in a few weeks. And I am in a lot of ways trying to just play it safer than necessary, partly because I can being a mostly stay-at-home mom, um, but also because I just don't feel like there's enough research out there for how this virus affects children. And we have, I mean, essentially a newborn in the house still. So Arthur's not going to go back to daycare, even if she does open up in June, just because there's too many variables. Um, so she texted me this morning and asked like, do you know when Arthur will be back? And I had to be like, no, I don't honestly don't save him a spot. Cause I don't know if he is going to be back. And that was at, on one hand, a really, really hard decision to say that. And on the other hand, it kind of settled things like, well, this is our reality for a while now we'd better settle in kind of thing. Yeah. And it's hard too, because even though, it is the reality you're kind of left sitting there going, but the last time that he was there, you probably didn't know that that was the last time he was going to be there. Exactly. Like the type of goodbye that you said, like, I'm just thinking of like when all of this hit, my kid's school was heading on their two week spring break. Like that was the time that our schools were shutting down anyway. And they just kind of said like their normal okay, yeah, see you in a couple of weeks. Goodbye to the teachers. Mm -hmm. And now I think everyone is feeling like particularly heartbroken that we're not finishing out the school year. And like, that's even part of me thinking about if the kids are going to go to school next year, I'm like, that would be Hadley's last year with this same cycle of teachers because they get Mm -hmm. their teachers for a couple years at a time at her school. And next year would be her last year with those teachers. And I'm like, I don't know if I want to take her away from that if there's even a chance that she could have them for like a couple months next year and it's just heartbreaking Mm -hmm. like all the things that we didn't know would be the last yeah I know Scott had a co-worker who they went on vacation just to Florida in early March like over their kids' spring break and it was like the Mm -hmm. week before everything started shutting down So when they got on a plane and left, everything was fine. And when they got on a plane to come home, everything was not kind of thing. But they have a senior in high school. And so he left school thinking he was going on a week-long spring break trip with his family and would be back to finish out his senior year of high school. And instead, that was his literal last day of school ever. And I that would be like a really hard state of limbo for me. I would want a little bit more closure than that. Yeah. It's really, really difficult, and I realize that things could be so much harder than they are, but just thinking about the future in any way is so tough because I'm trying to do that thing. Like I'm so bad at making long-term decisions that I try to do the thing people say where it's like, okay, what are your family values? Try to make your decisions around those values, and like one of our family values is to travel and be adventurous with our kids and show them how other people in other cultures around the world live. And 
we were planning on taking our first family trip in 2021. And now I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to feel comfortable doing that. And it's just really, really hard. And I think you're right. And that focusing on the next thing that you can do right now is the best way to stay present and grounded and keep from losing your mind. But at the same time, it just is really hard when I'm trying to find some sort of a footing for like, where do we as a family fit into this? It's really hard to pull back and see the bigger picture, see where it's going to end up. Yeah. Yeah. Most definitely. And I also can find myself getting kind of sucked in to the like more philosophical end of the future. Like how will this affect our, you know, infant daughter who has basically never spent time with anyone outside of her immediate family, i.e. Scott, Arthur, and me. Like, will she reject all strangers for a very long time once we all kind of come out of hiding? Will, you know, my toddler be scared when he sees people in face masks? Or will that just be like a dress-up costume to him once we actually do go out in public? Like, and especially as an introvert, will I ever, ever, ever get to spend any time by myself ever again? Like, is that, is that going to happen in this calendar year? Um, so <laughs> valid <I>, question. <laughs> very valid question. So yeah, I'm just, I'm really curious to see how this affects us like psychologically in the coming years. And again, I'm trying not to think too far down that road because that road includes like trauma and PTSD and we, nobody wants that. Um, so I'm just, I am very curious what it's going to look like. And I had, um, before I had a baby this time around, I went ahead and like pre-booked a few counseling appointments in like the months following that new baby's arrival. And I ended up canceling March because I just felt so good. And this experience has been just a wonderful night and day difference from our first experience with a new baby, which was really, really hard. And so I canceled it, but I'm so glad that I kept my May follow-up on the books because I could use that one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's nice to know that that is like waiting in the wings for you. Yeah. It's going to be weird. It'll probably be like via Zoom, but we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Well, one thing that I am looking forward to is that we decided to buy a puppy. So um, we're getting a wire-haired pointing griffin that will be joining our family in June. The puppies have already been born. Um, so by mid-June, they should be ready to go home to their families. And so, yeah, we and the kids are super excited about that. Um, we've wanted a dog for a while and just felt like the timing was right now that the kids are a little bit older. The youngest just turned two. So the timing just seemed right. And we were just kind of sitting here like, you know what? It would be nice to have something to look forward to that's not going to potentially get canceled. So we're <laughs> going to have a dog to keep us busy this summer. <laughs> yeah. And it's the perfect time to get a dog. We could just spend all summer outside with him or her. Um, I did Google. That's kind of our hope. <laughs> I did have to Google the wire-haired pointing griffin. I was not familiar with that breed. And oh my goodness, they're adorable. And they look like the perfect size, like big enough to not be a little dog that you're going to step on, but not so big that you have to worry about him or her knocking over your small children. Yeah, so they look very different as puppies than they do when they grow older. Um, a full-grown pointing griffin will have like, you know how some dogs get like a beard because yes. their hair is so Ooh, wiry. They look like old um, men. I love them. Yes. This is an old man looking kind of dog and it is going to be a hunting dog. Um, Jacob's going to train it for duck hunting. So 
Um, he's very excited about that. And the kids are like, I don't think they fully understand when it's coming because they don't have like that far ahead concept of time. But I think Conlin, our youngest in particular, he loves dogs. And I think this is just going to be a fun thing for the whole family when the kids have had to deal with so much disappointment Mm -hmm. kind of on a dime. Like, oh, no, you're not going back to school. And, oh, you can't go to Nani's house for babysitting like you usually do. And, no, we can't go to the library. And, no, the zoo is closed. And it feels really good as a parent to be able to give them something that they can be happy and excited about again because I'm kind of running out of ideas. Like, Disney Plus only has so much. (laughs) (laughs) That is so, so true. Arthur also loves all animals of all kinds and continually asks if we can get all sorts of animals. And I am just holding firm to the no pets until we're out of like the spit up and diaper stages because I just, I can't clean up after another thing. So I feel like two, when your youngest is two, that's a great age to add a new animal to the mix. Uh, the other day he yeah. said we need a puppy and I was like mm, I don't I don't think so but but what kind of puppy do you want <laughs> a brown one a big brown one so that's as specific as his three little mind his three-year-old mind can All be right. is he wants a big brown puppy so. well there could be a chocolate lab in your far future oh, no 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 <laughs> <laughs> the slobber the slobber they are very drooly all jacob's family has chocolate labs it's hilarious because i grew up like in the country on a farm with animals of all shapes and sizes and cows and horses and blah 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 blah. but i have learned that i love animals outside i don't necessarily want them in my house is maybe like the the threshold like i grew up with them outside they belong outside I don't know. We used to have cats and I loved our cats, but I got very tired of cleaning up after them. Yeah, they do reach a point where you're just like, I'm done with this litter box situation. Yeah. When it wasn't even the litter box, it was like, you just like the puke. Like they just puked everywhere. It was gross. We can cut this entire rant out of the podcast because other people (laughs) don't need it. (laughs) No, you never know. Maybe it'll lighten somebody's mood in this dark, unprecedented time. Maybe, maybe. So you also said that you guys might uh, embark on a different kind of adventure during quarantine, which is to potty train your youngest. Yeah. I mean, the time just feels right. Like, is there any better time to potty train a child than when it's summer and you're not going anywhere anyway because everything is closed? Like, those are ideal potty training conditions. (laughs) Exactly. That's my theory for why we have such a good sleeper the second time around with a baby is we haven't gone anywhere to interrupt the schedule like in weeks. So yep. You don't well. have to worry about those little car cat naps. Like yeah. those aren't happening. Mm-hmm. Schedule is rock solid. Yeah. We also magically got a second child who refuses to sleep in their stroller though. So I don't, I don't know mm. what, what this kid is doing. Um, did your kids sleep in strollers? Um, Hadley hated both the car and the car seat and her stroller so much that she would like, we had to, if I was going to walk her in the stroller, I could not take her on any sidewalks because she would scream bloody murder every time you went over a sidewalk crack. Oh, wow. Wow. She was a very sensitive child. She's still a little sensitive in her own way. Yeah. (laughs) Isn't it amazing how like you can tell from birth how they are going to be? 
Yeah. So I don't know. So we don't take a ton of family walks because there's just, they're just accompanied by screaming, but hopefully that will even out (laughs) as the days go. Yeah. Speaking of planning for the future, we are hoping that we'll be back in the fall with more podcast episodes for you guys. We're going to take our usual summer hiatus and um, you can follow along during that time with both of us on Instagram. Um, You can also pop into the show notes in this episode and sign up for our mailing list and we will send you an email when we launch season seven, which is ridiculous that we're going to be on a season seven. It is. It is. Yeah, that's we don't totally know what next season is going to look like yet because we obviously don't know what life is going to look like yet in the fall. So we're just playing it by ear as most of you are and we'll just figure it out. But before we let you go, of course, we have to do mini book club for the last time this season. We do. We do. So we decided that this mini book club needed to be something comforting. So what have you been reading lately, Ashley, that is comforting to you? So I have been rereading the Harry Potter series, and this is the first time that I'm reading the full series start to finish since college. So it's been about 10 years, probably. I never thought I would go that long without reading the full series, but somehow life happened, and um, I've dipped into the books here and there. I've listened to the audio a little bit here and there, but it feels really good to be starting from the beginning. It is pure comfort food. And I'm just kind of going to spend my summer with the books. I'm taking it pretty slow and I don't even care (laughs) that I'm like a a grown person, like loving Harry Potter still. It's fine. Everything's fine. Yeah. No shame in that whatsoever. I also started reading Harry Potter because like you said, it's just, it's just perfect comfort food. Like, you know, the story, you know, that you love the story, you know, good wins over evil, which I think is a message Mm -hmm. we all need right now. It's just, it's just really, really good. So, but figuring that you were going to be sharing that one, I decided I would, I would toss in another option for those people who didn't want a fantasy read for their summer. Um, I just reread the novel called A Gentleman in Moscow by Amor Tolles, and that's T-O-W-L-E-S. I feel like I've probably talked about this on the podcast before, and if not, I have been remiss, but I adore this novel. It is, it is hefty. It's over 400 pages, but every single page is well worth it. And it's um, about this. It actually works out in a lot of ways, subject matter wise. It's about a gentleman who has been um, sentenced to house arrest. (laughs) As I'm saying those Mm -hmm. words out loud, it's really, really (laughs) apt. Sentenced to house arrest in a hotel in Moscow because he was like part of he is suspected to have been part of the like anti-revolution in the 19 um, teens in Russia. And it is, it is not in, in any way, shape, or form a war novel or anything like that. So don't take that away from this. That is like the first scene. He is sentenced to house arrest in the Metropole Hotel. And from then, like the novel unfolds the next like 40 years of his life in this hotel and it is beautiful and sweet and philosophical and it's just fun. It's a really like the characters are really bright and interesting and I really just adore this novel. It gets like five stars and then some from me and I will probably reread it again at some point. 
I completely agree. That book is such a delight. And I didn't even realize, like, it didn't strike me as, like, how perfectly suited it is to this situation. Um, although it is, I will say that his situation in the hotel is far more interesting than most of our lives being cooped up in our own separate, isolated houses. But it is very thematically appropriate. And there is just such a comforting... I don't know, like a goodness of humanity mm-hmm. kind of a tone to that book that is just kind of heartwarming. So yeah, that's a great pick. I agree. But people might get a little irritated at his weekly haircuts because there is a barber in the hotel and he gets like a <laughs> weekly brush up on his haircut. Yeah. Meanwhile, the rest of us are sitting here with mullets and exactly. like grown out bangs. <laughs> the mullet is is real. Everyone who had a pixie cut pre-quarantine is like, this was maybe not the best decision of my life. And so, (laughs) and suddenly all the pixie cuts grew out. Well, I also chose a book that I finished recently that I thought was interesting, sort of fit with these times. So it's called The Alice Network, which is by Kate Quinn. It's a historical fiction novel that's actually about female spies in World War I. And the reason I think I liked it so much was twofold. One, it was really nice to read a World War One novel because World War Two gets so much attention, mm-hmm. um, both historically and in the fiction world. And it was just really nice to read about a different time period. And then it was also really strangely comforting to read about another tumultuous time in history and to see what people were doing to get through that and how they banded together and... The storyline is told in kind of two interweaving characters' points of view. And so you're getting what actually happened during the war, and then you're also getting a perspective decades later. Um, And maybe that's also part of why I liked it, because it it was a way of seeing, look at all of this difficulty and hardship that they went through, and also look at how it turned out on the other side. Um, it wasn't perfect on the other side, but everything was okay, which I think was a message that was very helpful for me to read. So well, good. That sounds great. That's been on my list for a while, but I just haven't, haven't gotten a hold of it from the library yet. So maybe I will get in line for that one pretty soon. Yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. We read it for, um, I'll call it book club. Our book club has now gone virtual, but um, myself and both of the girls in my book club really, really enjoyed it. So it came recommended from all three of us. It's very unputdownable. It's a page turner. So if you're looking for something to distract you from current events, it's also good in that way too. Excellent. I think everyone could probably use just a little bit of a distraction right now. Yes. And what have you read recently? Yeah, so my recent read that I picked is actually nonfiction, which I would not have expected to share in Quarantine Book Club. Um, but I read Lori Gottlieb's Maybe You Should Talk to Someone, and the subtitle is A Therapist, Her Therapist, and Our Lives Revealed, which I believe you have read as well. Yes, I read that one last year. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was unputdownable for being nonfiction. It's, it's almost... It's nonfiction, but it's also memoir, and she weaves in like the principles of therapy alongside stories from her own clients and her own therapy, and I just thought it was really 
relatable and engaging and it made me laugh and it made me cry and it was just really, really good. I think it might have been like the first like hard copy book I read after Tennyson was born and I came up with excuses to like sit down and read it. Like, oh, you know, the the kids are playing nicely by themselves. I'm just going to sit down and read another chapter. Just one, just one chapter. As you should, as you should. No, I agree. That book was absolutely lovely and it had a really strong narrative arc. Mm-hmm. Like the the writing was very well done. It was a I I could see it being a book that could have gone wrong had the writing not been stronger, but the author did a really fantastic job with it. Mhm. I agree. I agree. So I recommend that one to anybody right now. I think um it's probably good for like anyone at any life stage. I'm actually going to hand it to Scott and have him read it cuz I think he would enjoy it too. Um But at the same time, I feel like you're reading this beautiful memoir and you're also like learning principles that can help you in your own life. Yeah, Yeah. totally agree. So So, I think that's our I think that's our season come to a close in the middle of a pandemic. And that's that's pretty much all we have to say about creativity at this point. Everything is kind of at a standstill. And if your creativity is at a standstill, then that's totally okay. We are not judging you. You are in good company. These are very, very uncharted waters for all of us right now. And I think, I, I, I think we are going to learn a lot about ourselves and our own creative processes in the next few months. And I'm really interested to pop back in, in season seven and see where both of us are and where our listeners are as well. Once we've kind of made it a little bit farther into this new world. So we will talk to you again in the fall. And in the meantime, like we said, you can always find us on Instagram if you ever want to chat. Thanks for listening to the Chasing Creative Podcast. If you like what you heard in this episode, be sure to stop by ChasingCreative.com to check out the show notes, catch up on past episodes, and subscribe to the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you'd leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also join in the creative conversation by finding us on Instagram at Abigail E. Krebs or at Ashley Brooks Writes, or by using the hashtag ChasingCreative on Twitter or Instagram. If you have any feedback for us, drop us a line at ChasingCreativePodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next time, go chase what makes you creative.